Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to Gather by the Ghost Light, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, sometimes voice actor on this thing, and today we are graduating into episode number 27 with a new audio play written by playwright James McClendon. Mr. McClendon is a member of the Nylon Fusion Theater Company in New York and has written many award-winning plays that have been staged all around the world. His short play that you're going to hear today is called Choices. It's about a college graduate who is feeling the burden of crushing student loans and is offered a way out from a debt consolidation counselor. But is the deal too good to be true? Now, before we dive into this story, there's a fun thing we did with this episode that I want to tell you about. You're going to hear this story performed twice. Yeah, that's right, twice. When we finished recording it the first time, the voice actors thought it might be fun to switch roles and record it again. And we did just that. So, you're going to hear two versions of this story, and you're going to hear how the voice actors did their own thing with each character. It's a bit of a fun experiment, and if you like it, then maybe we'll do it again on a future episode. Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is Choices, written by James McClendon, and be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with the writer. I'm sorry. I just don't get it. It's pretty simple. It's just disruptive. No, I know. It, it sounds simple. Think of it as a choice. We're all about choices. You can choose this. Or not. No, no, I, I I, want to choose this, believe me. I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel just trying to keep up with these payments, but this just seems too good to be true. That's often what disruption looks like. Remember all the things you used to have to pay to read, like newspapers and magazines? Now you get them online for free. We're disrupting the entire debt consolidation industry. Sort of like that. Okay, but I still don't get it. Tell me what you don't get. So you pay off my student loans. You're crushing student loans. Yes, thank you. My $247,000 in student loans. And all I have to do is pay you $72 a month. Yes. For 25 years. Yes. And that's it. That's all I ever have to pay you. That's all you ever have to pay us. I... Okay, so I'm not really great at math, but I don't think that pays you back. Yeah, it's actually only about $21,000. Only $21,000? Okay, now I don't get this even more. Tell me what you don't get. What don't I... I, uh, You give me $247,000 to pay off my debt today. And all I have to give you is $21,000 over 25 years? Right. Mainly to keep you focused. So you lose money? No. we. Yeah, you lose money. Nobody sets up a business to lose money unless they're, like, money laundering or something. Wait. 
Are you guys money laundering? No. So what are you doing? We're providing choices. I think maybe you skipped footnote seven. I didn't read the footnotes. You should read the footnotes. I never do. You always should. Okay, fine. What does footnote seven say? It answers this question. About whether you're money laundering? About how we get paid. So, how do you? I mean, after I finish my payments, you'll be short about $230,000. Not to mention any interest. So, where do you get the rest from? Oh, there's a bunch of hidden fees, aren't there? There are no fees at all. Then come on, how do you get your money back from me? We don't get it back from you. You don't. We don't. From you. Who do you get it back from? The insurance company. What insurance company? You really should read footnote 7. Just tell me, what insurance company? Your insurance company. Why would my car insurance company pay you? Not your car insurance company. Your life insurance company. I don't have life insurance. Footnote 7. I have to get life insurance? We pay for it. What good does life insurance do anyone, uh, unless I die? Read footnote 7. Oh my god. Y- you've looked at my DNA. You-, you have, you totally have. And you found out I must have some horrible genetic abnormality that means I'm going to die young. So, so that- that's how you... What are you writing down? No, please, go on. That's a really interesting business model. Stop it! That's... Not your business model? No, but it's pretty good, though. Way disruptive. So I'm not going to die young? Well, how would I know that? There's no DNA stuff in your file on me? All we have is what you gave us. Oh, I'm I'm not going to die young. Well, not in the next 25 years, as far as I know. So how do you make money from my life insurance? How does anyone make money from life insurance? Somebody has to die. But you just said I wouldn't. I said I don't know anything about your DNA. Or your health at all, for that matter. We don't worry about that. Please, read footnote 7. Please. Okay, fine. Oh my god! I know, right? The first time I read it, I was like, what? But the more you think about it, the more genius it is. Dis effing eruption. Am I right? <clears throat> Sorry. I just love this product so much. I- I'm not going to agree to this. Does anyone ever agree to this? No. Not at first. But then they think about it, and they think, well, when I took out my crushing student loans, I knew that they would impact my life severely impact my life. For a whole lot of my life. Decades and decades and decades of my life. And see, that's all this is, really. You just assume the impact would be front-loaded. And all we do is back-load it for you. So me dying in 25 years at 55, that's what you call severely impacting my life? Well, it seems severe to me. No, it's severe. It is very severe. Yes, but... What a much better life it will have been. These next 25 years anyway, which, after all, are your prime. Well, how do you, you know, 
how do you do it? Do what? Make it so you get to, you know, collect. Before we get into the details, I think it's best that you get comfortable with the concept Tell me how. Well, it's up to you. See? Choices. Most people opt to handle matters themselves. We'll give you some recommendations and how-tos in the next brochure. It's under self-termination. A lot of people, though, find they're too squeamish for self-term when push comes to shove. And for them, we offer appointment service. The AppServe team is excellent, guaranteed painless, and they can make anything look like an accident. And finally, there are some people who are squeamish, but also find that having an actual appointment makes them, um... Freaking terrified? I'd call it anxious. For them, we offer a third approach, a service where you just go about your business and we take it from there. That one's called dealer's choice. You don't have to decide that now. A lot of people must just run when their time is up. Oh, people are surprisingly ethical about it. Also, we implant a chip that sends us your GPS coordinates. What if you dig the chip out? We don't put it anywhere too accessible. You can always say no. We're all about choices. Quantity or quality. You can live in your rundown studio apartment if you want with a roommate and drive a 15-year-old beater and eat ramen noodles and never take a decent vacation and waste a lot of your life living on the shoulder of poverty. Or I can have only 25 years left. 25 debt-free years to keep and spend your money to travel, buy a house, have kids, have a life, whatever that means to you. And do you really want to live longer than that? My parents got to. But do you want to? With the rising tides of climate change lapping at your ankles and blowing down your little garret? With the prospect of pandemics and failed leadership raking and dividing us? With the last shreds of our democracy fraying before your eyes while the old world order collapses? I don't think it's too much to say the ones who choose to go with us are in many ways the lucky ones. Hey, it's a big decision. So take your time, talk to your friends, your family, and if you do choose to go with us, just give me a call. Wait, are are you a client? Want to see my GPS scar? No, no thanks. Have a look around on the beach. You'll be surprised. Here's my card. When you're ready, call me. Yeah, I don't think so. How about I just leave it here then, on the counter, for you to think about, okay? Okay. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. Um. Hmm. That was Choices, written by James McClendon. Now sit tight just a little bit longer because I'm going to replay that story again. Except this time, the two voice actors, they're going to switch roles. So, here it is again, a different take on the short play Choices, written by James McClendon. I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't get it. It's pretty simple. It's just disruptive. No, I know it sounds simple. Think of it as a choice. We're all about choices. You can choose this or not. No, no, I want to choose this. 
believe me. I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel just trying to keep up with the payments, but this just seems too good to be true. That's often what disruption looks like. Remember all the things you used to have to pay to read, like newspapers and magazines? Now you get them online for free. We're disrupting the entire debt consolidation industry. Sort of like that. Okay, but I still don't get it. Tell me what you don't get. So you pay off my student loans. You're crushing student loans. Yes, thank you. My $247,000 in student loans, and all I have to do is pay you $72 a month. Yes. For 25 years. Yes. And that's it. That's all I ever have to pay you. That's all you ever have to pay us. <sighs> 72 months a year. Okay, so I'm not really great at math, but I don't think that pays you back. Yeah. It's actually only about $21,000. <laughs> only $21,000? Okay, so now I don't get it even more. Tell me what you don't get. What I what don't I... <laughs> you give me $247,000 to pay off my debt today, and all I have to give you is $21,000 over 25 years. Right. Mainly to keep you focused. So you lose money. No, we... Yeah, you lose money. Nobody sets up a business to lose money unless they're like money laundering or something. Wait, are you guys money laundering? No. What are you doing? We're providing choices. I think maybe you skipped footnote seven. I didn't read the footnotes. You should read the footnotes. I never do. You always should. Okay, fine. What does footnote seven say? It answers this question. About whether you're money laundering? About how we get paid. So how do you? I mean, after I finish my payments, you'll be short about $230,000, not to mention any interest. So where do you get the rest from? Oh, there are a bunch of hidden fees, aren't there? There are no fees at all. Then come on. How do you get your money back from me? We don't get it back from you. You don't? We don't. From you. Who do you get it back from? The insurance company. What insurance company? You should really read footnote 7. Just it tell me what insurance company. Your insurance company. Why would my car insurance company pay you? Not your car insurance company. Your life insurance company. I don't have life insurance. Footnote 7. I have to get life insurance? We pay for it. What good does life insurance do anyone unless I die? Read footnote seven. Oh my God. You've looked at my DNA. You have. You totally have. And you found out I must have some horrible genetic abnormality that means I'm going to die young. So that's how you... What are you writing down? No, please. Go on. That's a really interesting business model. Stop it. That's not your business model? No, but it's pretty good though. Way disruptive. So I'm not going to die young. Well, how would I know that? There's no DNA stuff in your file on me. All we have is what you gave us. <sighs> I'm not going to die young. Not in the next 25 years, as far as I know. So how do you make money from my life insurance? How does anyone make money from life insurance? Somebody has to die. But you just said I wouldn't. I said I don't know anything about your DNA. Or your health at all, for that matter. We don't worry about that. 
Please, please, read footnote seven. Please. Okay, fine. Oh my god! I know, right? The first time I read it, I was like, what? But the more you think about it, the more genius it is. Dis effing eruption. Am I right? I <clears throat> Sorry. I just love this product so much. I'm not going to agree to this. Does anyone ever agree to this? No. Not at first. But then they think about it. And they think, well, when I took out my crushing student loans, I knew that they would impact my life. Severely impact my life. For a whole lot of my life. Decades and decades and decades of my life. And see, that's... That's all this is, really. You just assumed that the impact would be front-loaded, and all we do is... Backload it for you. Me dying in 25 years at 57, that's what you call severely impacting my life. Well, it, it seems severe to me. No, it's severe. It's very severe. Yes, but what a much better life it will have been. These next 25 years, anyway. Which, after all, are your prime. How do you, you know, how do you do it? Do what? Make it so you get to, you know, collect. Before we get into the details, I think it's better that you get comfortable with the concept of- Tell me how! Well, it's up to you. See? <laughs> Choices. Most people opt to handle matters themselves. We'll give you some recommendations and how-tos in the next brochure. It's under self-termination. A lot of people, though, find they're too mm, squeamish for self-term when push comes to shove, and for them we offer appointment service. The AppServe team is excellent, guaranteed painless, and they can make anything look like an accident. And finally, there are some people who are squeamish, but who also find that having an actual appointment makes them, Freaking well, terrified? I'd call it anxious. For them, we offer a third approach. A service where you just go about your business and we... Well, we take it from there. That one's called dealer's choice. You don't have to decide that now. A lot of people must just run when their time is up. Oh, people are surprisingly ethical about it. Also, we implant a, <clears throat> a chip that sends us your GPS coordinates. What if you dig the chip out? We don't put it anywhere too accessible. You can always say no. We're all about choices. It's quantity or quality. You can live in your rundown studio apartment if you want, with a roommate and drive a 15-year-old beater and eat ramen noodles and never take a decent vacation and waste a lot of your life living on the shoulder of poverty. Or I can have only 25 years left. 25 debt-free years to keep and spend your money. To travel, buy a house, have kids, have a life. Whatever that means to you. And do you really want to live longer than that? My parents got to. But 
do you want to? With the rising tides of climate change lapping at your ankles and blowing down your little garret? With the prospect of pandemics and failed leadership raking and dividing us? With the last shreds of our democracy fraying before your eyes while the old world order collapses? I don't think it's too much to say that the ones who choose to go with us are in many ways the lucky ones. <laughs> hey, it's a big decision, so you take your time, talk to your friends, your family, and if you do choose to go with us, just give me a call. Wait, are, are you a client? Would you like to see my GPS scar? <laughs> no thanks. Have a look around on the beach. You'll be surprised. Here's my card. When you're ready, call me. Yeah, I don't think so. How about I just leave it here then, on the counter, for you to think about, okay? Okay. Okay. Have a nice day. You just heard two different versions of the short play Choices, written by James McClendon. Both versions were performed by Eric Odom and Chelsea Mahoney. So joining me now is the writer of this story. This is James McClendon. How are you, James? I'm well. How are you, Jonathan? I'm doing great. Uh, so the, the story that you wrote that the audience just heard is called Choices. Uh, but before we dive into talking about the play, um, there's probably some people out there that aren't familiar with you and your work. So could you take a moment to sort of tell us about yourself, where you're located, and maybe your playwriting background or just writing background in general? Sure. Um, I'm located in uh, Western Massachusetts. I lived in Boston for a long time and moved out to Northampton uh, almost 20 years ago now. Um, I did not come to playwriting through conventional routes. I uh, started writing in college with a partner and we went to Chicago and had a couple of plays produced there uh, right out of school. And then I made a detour to law school. Uh, I'm a practicing lawyer, I still am, um, but have come back to writing in the last uh, 10, 20 years. And, uh, have been lucky enough to have plays uh, produced around the country and uh, around the world, in fact. Um, and uh, Choices is one of my latest, and uh, it's been getting a lot of productions, which I'm very happy about. And, uh, has kind of seen me through the pandemic. Uh, full-length plays have almost disappeared until recently uh, with the pandemic, but there have been a number of opportunities in a variety of settings, Zoom and podcasts and radio uh, four short plays. And so plays like Choices and others that I've written uh, have kind of kept me <laughs> going as an artist. So you say you're still a, you're a practicing lawyer right now. That's your main career? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's 50-50, yeah. Okay. Does that help you come up with ideas for plays? I know you wouldn't use like real names or all that, but do you ever get like scenarios or anything <laughs> like that, ideas? Not as much as you think. I have so far resisted the urge to do a courtroom drama or something like that, which most lawyers who write seem to end up doing. I'm not really against it, I suppose. I, I just haven't had the killer idea yet that I've had to write. Uh, mm -hmm. 
But I suppose there's some legal aspects of this play, which. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now, as a playwright, do you find yourself focusing more on the short play format or do you have a good bit of full length plays that have been, you know, produced a good bit as well? Yeah, I've had a number of full length plays produced. Um, and, uh, you know, as I say, recently, the thing that you can get done is a short play, but uh, I still write full length plays and, uh, like that. Uh, that's what I started with initially. I found, uh, 10 minute plays, short plays to be kind of good, uh, writing exercises. And, uh, I enjoyed the form. I think 10 minutes is enough time to do something. Um, and I've had success converting a couple of my full length or my short plays into full length plays. So sometimes I find the, the short play I write turns out to be the first scene of a longer play. Um, that's not the case with choices yet, but uh, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, I, I found that, uh, like you said, full length plays, the theaters, you know, they'll usually only, if, you, if they're taking an open call for full length plays, they'll take one full length play. Whereas if you wrote some short plays, they'll do like a festival of 10. So you have a, a better chance of getting in and, and getting produced. Right. Uh, yeah, I've definitely felt that. Um, so, so now let's talk about your play choices, which is, about a college graduate who, like many college graduates, they have a, a lot a debt when they graduate. Sometimes it's astronomical debt. And this is actually, it's a very topical theme because I come across articles all the time. I hear people talking about this kind of thing. And I really like the clever way that you worked in the the dark humor <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with, with her choices that this debt counselor is giving her. Uh, so being a, a college graduate yourself, is there something that you experienced in your own life that kind of sparked this idea or was this just something uh, that just came on its own? Well, I suppose I started, uh, my son uh, was and still is in college. Um, and uh, while he's fortunate enough not to be facing this kind of crushing debt, I suppose I was more attuned to it uh, when I first wrote the play because, you know, that was the world we were in, uh, a student in college. And, uh, you know, I think my generation has not done a, uh, a service to uh, the rising generation by imposing um, the kind of debt burden that they're going to carry into life. Uh, and so there's a lot of ways to approach that dramatically. I like dark humor. I like satire. I like Jonathan Swift's The Modest Proposal. And, uh, you know, I like the idea of kind of um, looking at a problem by taking it to its extremes. And uh, that that was the genesis of the play. Right. And that's exactly what you did. You Because you're kind of exploring this college graduate, you know, what, how far is, how far are they willing to go to sort of wipe out this student loan debt? And I think that's a, you know, it's a, the way you approach it is very, you know, brilliant. I loved it. Uh, and you say that this has been, it has started as a stage play, right? And it's been yes. already produced on several places. Where where did it premiere? And uh, are there any notable productions or awards that it's won? Uh, wow. I, I probably, <laughs> I'd have to pull uh, my notes uh, to know for sure. It's had a bunch of productions. Um, I, you know, I think it premiered in the Boston Theater Marathon, uh, which was in 2020, which was uh, transferred to a Zoom uh, marathon. And um, there was one play a day for about 50 days, um, which is normally they do all that in one day at one theater setting. Uh, 
And um, I teamed up with Pilgrim Theater in uh, Massachusetts, and they just did an exquisite job uh, of using the the Zoom format uh, for um, uh, to, to really good effect. I think um, there's something creepy about the salesman, and when he could put his face an inch from the camera, you know, you can <laughs> really accentuate that. And they did some wonderful things uh, with that. Um, that that recording may still be available online. Um, the um, I, and since then, it's had a, a really long life. I'm finding it, it was selected for uh, one of the uh, best 10 minute play uh, books of 2020 or 2021 by I can't remember if it was Smith and Krauss or Applause. I'm finding I'm getting a lot of productions from that, and I'm getting it uh, many of them from college students, you know, uh, directorial students at the end of their four years at college often have to direct a play. And they usually do a short play. And I've had a number of requests over the last year from students who have found it. And it apparently resonates, uh, which, which is both great for me and unfortunate for humanity, I suppose. Um, but uh, I've had a number of uh, uh, productions from that. Yeah, it's definitely a story that especially college students can relate to because, <laughs> you know, there's many college students out there, they're yeah. building that debt that they don't realize how high it's going until, you know, once it's all done. Uh, I, I kind of want to talk about the ending of this play. You kind of left it ambiguous. You know, there's an uncertainty on if the college graduate is going to accept this deal or not. Did you, did you ever explore the option that, did you ever explore an ending where, the college graduate actually makes a decision or was it always just kind of going to be kind of up in the air and kind of open to interpretation? I think my style tends to the ambiguous and I think it felt wrong to make, have a choice made one way or the other, because really what I want to focus on is the question and related to that, Jonathan, one interesting exercise I had to go through in writing this was I had to balance things um, such that you, you couldn't, dismiss it out of hand. You at least had to think about it. The, the amount of money owed had to be the right amount and the number of years one would have before one's insurance contract came due had to be long enough. Um, and it was an interesting exercise to think about, well, you know, is, is, is 15 years enough? Would anyone do it for that? Is, is 30 years too long? Um, you know, does the debt have to be above a certain number? Um, so what I tried to go for is, you know, of course, I don't, hopefully not many people would ever take up this offer, but I wanted to come up with an ending where you're, you know, you can't dismiss it out of hand. You have to think about 30 debt-free years. That's pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. You know, kind of sucks to die at, you know, 53 or whatever, but, um, but I wanted people to kind of struggle a little bit with, with the equation. Uh, so You've written a lot of plays. You get productions all over the place. What What's coming up for you? Do you have anything that you want to plug? I mean, where can people see the next James McClendon play in their uh, in a theater near them? Uh, well, I've got a lot of short <clears throat> plays coming up um, that have definite dates. Uh, I have some full-length plays that, you know, have been postponed since the pandemic and still waiting for those to land. Hopefully they will. Hopefully the theaters will survive. Uh, but the best place to go is just my website, jamesmcclendon.com. And that has a listing of all my upcoming uh, shows. And I've got a 
play zoomers in florida is doing uh, another short play of mine uh, next weekend a week from now uh called stockholm syndrome which um, examines uh, what happens when a fairy tale wedding takes place and everyone goes home and the marriage isn't working out very well it's a marriage therapist um uh, counseling a couple of uh, uh characters um, that's one uh, that's coming up. I, I've got a number uh, of others. And again, uh, jamesmcclendon.com, they're all listed there, uh, along with some information about how to either attend them if they're in real life or uh, how to watch them online. Okay. So you have a bunch, so you have some online productions as well as stage productions coming up and people can find that at jamesmcclendon.com. That's correct. Yep. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, I'm really glad that you sent this play to me and it was, it was fun to produce. And, uh, you know, and the way you wrote the characters so universally, um, they're, they're, they don't even have names, you know, it's, it's potential client and then counselor and then they're genderless. Like I said, I had a ton of fun doing it. And I hope that we can collaborate again in the future on one of your other works. I hope so too. I appreciate the opportunity. And I, and I was intrigued when you told me that you were going to record it both ways with the actors switching. So I really want to hear both versions of it. Oh yeah. Um, and it was actually, it was their idea. Cause, cause I had it yeah. cast one way. And then um, when they got it, they were like, you know what? I kind of would like to read this role. And the other one was like, I kind of want to read this role. And I was like, well, Hey, let's do it. And uh, so we did it. We did it both ways. And I, I, I liked how it, how it turned out. And um, yeah, I haven't done that before on any other play, but since this one just kind of had, the guidelines for it since it didn't matter if it was male or female even the ages didn't really matter and it just it worked out it was great great <laughs> thank you see you next time thanks Jonathan thank you all for listening and if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce this play on your stage please send an email to gatherbythegostlight at gmail.com or you can reach out to the playwright directly at his own website jamesmcclendon.com and if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard, let us know. Please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to follow Gather by the Ghost Light on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. Intro and outro music is provided by artist JK47. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we Gather by the Ghost Light. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.